0: We have that promise in the Word of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what you're going through, his love never changes. No matter what you do against him, his love never changes. I'm so thankful for that truth. It's good to have our, our friends with us. If you notice, there's there's somebody you've never seen before up here. We have Paul and Ashley Ellis here with us today. They're our, our dearest friends from Indiana. So glad to have them. They'll uh, they'll be back in a couple months with their kids. And uh looking forward to that. Paul's gonna sing tonight. We didn't wanna, we didn't wanna We wanted to show you something this morning. We want to show you our best tonight. So Paul's going to sing a solo. Not really. Not really. But uh, just thankful to have them here with us this weekend. Let's get our Bibles out this morning. Luke chapter 4. Continuing our our series. This is Jesus. And uh, looking into his life, I was thankful last week we finally got to see him come on the scene here. His ministry is beginning. We have a little pit stop here before he uh, starts to move on here in ministry. Next week, I uh, really uh, started studying that this last week, reading it a little bit. Very interesting portion of his ministry that we're going to see next week. Uh, you would think that when the Messiah is there, he'd be well-received. But we're going to find next week he wasn't. And uh, just looking forward to what we're going to get from that. But this week, Luke chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus. Let's stand together as we, as we read the Word of God together. Let's stand, read Luke chapter 4. Begin reading in verse 1. It says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into an high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. He used scripture there with Jesus. Verse 12, And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word, what we get from it. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is, God, to just be here together today. God, and in your word, and I pray, Lord, that we're here, Lord, truly ready to focus on you and what you have for us. Be with me as I preach, Lord. I need your power, your strength, Lord, to deliver this message as you'd have us to receive it today with every individual in the pew. I'm going to pray that at this moment we can lay aside the distractions or things that may be on our hearts or minds, burdens we may have. God, so we can res- truly receive what you have for us. And God, so it can make a difference in our life. And help us to be ready to receive whatever it is you have for us to receive. Lord, well, bless us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you are breathing air right now, God has a purpose for your life. God wants every person to be his child. I'm thankful for what we find in 2 Peter chapter 3 where it says he is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. We understand as we look in the word of God, he died for the whole world. He loves all men, he loves all women, boys and girls. And beyond salvation, God has a purpose to accomplish Advancing the cause of Christ, and not only does he just want you to be his child, he wants to use you to advance his cause. And as we understand that this morning, we also need to understand that Satan wants nothing more than to stop the cause of Christ from from advancing. Last Sunday night, we were reminded of of Adam and Eve there and as we were looking at the word of God and for the moment we, we received a command from God Satan trying to tell us that something else was intended through it and, and, and Satan saying hath God said there was opposition there on man at the very beginning we look at Jesus ministry he hasn't even begun to to minister at this point and Satan is already here tempting him and trying to stop the cause he doesn't want you to have victory As a Christian, as a child of God, he does not want you to be successful in your Christian life or to be a true disciple of Jesus. And we understand what what Peter wrote in 1 Peter. We looked at it in Sunday school this morning. Satan, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He wants you. He wants to hinder you from doing anything for Jesus. He wants to hinder you from living according to the word of God. And Luke is telling us here in in chapter 4 of a particular time in the life of Christ that Jesus had set himself apart for 40 days to pray. And fast before beginning his ministry. We just saw him last week. As John the Baptist was preaching his message of repentance and had finished baptizing for the day, Jesus walked down the way and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And Jesus was baptized at that moment. We were an incredible point at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And as Jesus was baptized, we saw the Spirit of God was there. He was pleased and has stayed with Jesus at this point. And then we see Jesus being led of the Spirit to the wilderness. Because he's soon going to be doing the work that he'd come to do. And it was in this wilderness event where he faced this temptation from the devil. As the Union Pacific Railroad was being constructed an elaborate trestle bridge had been developed going over a canyon. And and the architect, the engineers behind this bridge were wanting to test what this was capable of. And as as they finished it, they took a, a normal train and they doubled what a normal train would be times two and then they added all kinds of weight onto those, onto those uh, cargo, cargo uh, pieces there, whatever word I'm looking for, you know what I mean. And they had that train sitting there on the trestle bridge. And they left it there sitting for 24 hours and people went to the, pe- to the ones that were testing what this bridge could handle and they said, are you trying to break the bridge? And they said, no, I'm trying to prove The bridge won't break. In the same way, as we look at what's going on here, the temptations that Jesus faced were not designed to see if he would sin, but to prove he couldn't. You know, we know this morning that it's impossible for Jesus to sin from this passage and Jesus' response to the temptation that was brought by the devil, we can learn how to handle temptation in our own life. And as we look this morning, first of all, we need to understand temptation will come. Temptation will come. You know, the Bible says there is no temptation but such as is common to man. There's not an individual in this room this morning that is exempt from temptation. And if you are facing temptation today, and if there's a stronghold in your life that you may feel alone in that situation, you may feel like you're the only one going through these things, but you are not unique in that experience. All will face temptation. The Bible says, man, that is full of days, is full of trouble. We, we know that Adam and Eve were defeated by Satan in their temptation in the Garden of Eden we just referenced a moment ago. And here, as Jesus is launching his public ministry right after his baptism, he's in the wilderness for a long season of prayer, Time with his father, time of fasting, preparing for this, and the devil came after him. But, but let's be reminded of what it says. Jesus was led by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted. It's important for us to understand that Jesus' temptation was the result of divine control and, and the devil's attack. Remember what, what the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 13. It says, Let no man say when he is tempted. I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God is not the author of temptation. And if you are going through temptations in your life, we can be assured by that verse that that temptation hasn't come from God. God is sovereign over it. He's not the author, but he's sovereign over it. Nothing happens in your life or mine without God either starting it or allowing it. And Luke is making that very important distinction in this text. He emphasizes both divine control and the devil's attack in the situation. God does not bring doubts or confusion to your life. God does not bring fear into your life. God doesn't do any tempting that we find in his word. We know that God did not lead him into temptation, but he led him to a place where temptation came. There's a difference. So there's two things that we see from this truth. The devil can only do what God allows him to do. He can't do anything without permission from God. Look at the book of Job. We find evidence of that. There are not two gods. We need to understand that as well. God and the devil are not equal. It's not two gods. We have one true God, and there's a wannabe God. But he isn't God. He can only do what God allows him to do. And we also see the devil will do all that he can to persuade humans to dishonor God. We understand Satan was unsuccessful in taking the throne, so he will do anything in his power to slow down or take away from the work of God, and that's where temptation comes into the lives of us. The first temptation we find Jesus facing was the temptation to serve the flesh. Satan tempted Jesus with food after 40 days of fasting. You know, Satan will come at times of weakness in your life. I want to ask you, do you think Jesus was possibly hungry? (laughs) Forty days, just water. Do you think he was tired? And we look at our world today and we look at this congregation and there's no doubt in the pews right now, many tired people. Had a long week at work or you're going through trials or health issues, you're recovering from an ailment. Maybe there's things going on with your family that you're worried about and burdened about. Problems that come. Fears on on what the future may hold or how things are going to turn out for you or your family or someone that you may care about. And there's many tired people. I mean, look at Jesus as he had been fasting for 40 days, going without food. Satan went to Jesus and he said, hey, there's some stones right there. Why don't you use your power and turn those stones into bread and you won't be hungry anymore. You can do it, right? If you're you're the son of God, you can just pick up those stones or look at those stones, point at them, turn them to bread. It was a suggestion. It doesn't really seem that unreasonable, does it? But in this little temptation that the devil was trying to do, it was a temptation for Jesus to not trust the provision of his father. He 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 was tempting, he was challenging the love of God and the goodness of God. and this temptation, it appears that Satan is trying to convince Jesus there there possibly could be something wrong with God's love to him. If he's he's been fasting for 40 days, he finished that fasting, he still doesn't have any food. And, And by doing that, he's challenging the ability of God to provide what Jesus needed. And Satan often will do the same thing for you. Jesus said in the book of Mark, watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Then what did he say? The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is what? Weak. Satan's going to come at a time of weakness. And Satan also desperately wanted Jesus to have a misuse of his power. Is there anything sinful about bread? No. But Satan was asking Jesus to use his power on his own needs. And that was not the intention that God had for Jesus. It's not the intention that God had when he gave Jesus that power. I I love the story in John chapter 4. Brother David taught it in Sunday school a few weeks ago. I'm planning on preaching it maybe in a month or two on on worshiping in spirit and in truth. But what we find in John chapter 4 is the Samaritan woman. You know, Jesus and his disciples passed through Samaria. Jesus went to the well and waited there. The disciples went to the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman came up. We understand that the Jews and the Samaritans really didn't get along. There wasn't a whole lot of respect from the Jews to the Samaritans. But Jesus not only started to, talk to this, ask this woman for a drink of water, he started to care for her. She's like, if you knew who I was, you wouldn't want to be speaking with me or you wouldn't be asking me for water. And Jesus knew everything about her. He knew that she wasn't only an adulteress, but she'd had five husbands. She, she had had a, a hard past and Jesus showed that he still loved her and he told her of a living water where she'd never thirst again. And then the disciples come back. And as they came back, they, they were kind of disturbed why Jesus would be spending so much time with this woman, and then they, they saw that he was continuing to exert himself. He needed food. They were hungry. They went to get food, and they brought it back for Jesus. But he's still ministering to this woman, and they had a problem with that. They said, Jesus, you need to stop for a moment, get some food. And what did he say in John chapter 4? He said, my meat, my food, my greatest need is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was telling these men here again, his purpose was not to keep himself from being hungry. His purpose wasn't to meet his own needs. His purpose wasn't to fulfill his desires or what his flesh wanted. His purpose was to do what his father had sent him to do. And as Jesus was here in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 4, as the devil saying, hey, turn these stones into bread, Jesus understood his purpose was not to use his power for himself. And as Jesus told these disciples that his meat was to do the will of him that sent me, then imagine him standing there by the well. The disciples had walked from town, and no doubt you could probably see the town off in the distance. And as he was telling them he had something more important to do with this woman than to eat food, then he said, Look at these fields. All kinds of people. They are white already to harvest. There's people that need what we have to give them. There's people that need to hear the message of, of my love and need to know of me, need to follow me as the Messiah. And he says, look on these fields. There aren't enough laborers. We don't have time to continue to feed our own desires or to choose our own way. We need to live according to our purpose. And I want to remind you today, Christian, we have a job to do. Well, I want you to look out on, in the city of Midland and Odessa. There are fields ready for harvest. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't stop. And if you haven't started, get going for God. If you aren't reaching others as you should, get going for God. If you aren't trying to to, to reach people for the cause of Christ, you aren't doing what God intends for you to do. As a Christian, the fields are white and ready to harvest. But there's a temptation, isn't there, to take care of us. There's a temptation there to feed our own desires and to make sure we're comfortable. And then maybe after we're comfortable, then we can go try to help some people. We need to be careful not to give in the temptation to get things we feel we need or want at the expense of being out of the will of God. We need to be careful not to go after the things that we feel we need or want at the expense of falling into sin. Quarterback Joe Theismann explained to his soon-to-be ex-second wife, why he had an affair, and he said, God wants Joe Theismann to be happy. That's not what God wants. Not at the expense of, of doing something you shouldn't do. You say, well, I, you know, I need my kids to respect me. Okay, yeah, we do. The Bible says they need to honor their parents. But are we willing to sin to have that need fulfilled? Are we Are we willing to abandon self-control and, and talk to them in a way we shouldn't or or harm them in a way we shouldn't to get the respect that we need or deserve say well I, I want my spouse to love me it's a good thing for a spouse to, to love the other spouse but what are we willing to do if that needs not met what, what are we willing to do if if, if they get, if they might get the cold shoulder are we, are we willing to, to go against what God has commanded of us or instructed us in his word to get what we need or what we want? Or I need a boss that treats me fairly. And if he doesn't, what are we going to do? Is getting equal treatment or fair treatment worth losing your testimony? Say, well, I'm tired. I'm going through a lot with my family. You know, I, you know, I know I'm supposed to be in church, but... There's things that I need. I, I, I can maybe come a little less or, or watch online or, or do this or do that or find something that fits my schedule a little better. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm barely able to, to, to pay the bills. I'm trying to work as much as I can. I'm trying to, to, to get out there and, and work and, and get the money I need to get so I can provide for my family and be the, the husband, the wife that God would have me to be. I'm trying to do all these things. And, you know, and, and doing that, I don't have a whole lot of time to, to read my Bible or to pray. And the devil may tempt you to maybe cut that and feed what else needs to be fed. There's a temptation to satisfy the flesh. There's also a temptation, secondly, for not just satisfying the flesh, but self-gratification. To not only get what you need, but then to promote yourself. As we look there in verse 5, it says, The devil taking him up into a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil's up there with Jesus. He says, hey, you're up here. You can see all these cities. Look that way as far as you can. Look that way, that way, that way. You want it? Everything that's there, you can have. Everything that's there, I'll make it real easy for you you bow to me and I'll, it's all yours. And as Jesus faced this temptation, the devil was, you know, made a pretty good offer to any normal person. But that wasn't Jesus' purpose either. Why did he come? The theme verse we use in the book of Luke, the Son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his purpose. To come seeking people and those in need and ultimately pay a price they could never pay. And Satan tried to tempt Jesus with the power and authority of the world. And on top of that, attempted to have Jesus worship him. He's saying, I know what you're planning, Jesus. I know you, you intend right now to give your life. You intend right now to sacrifice your life for the sins of this world. You don't have to do that. You don't have to die and pay, pay the debt for these people. I can give you another way to help these people. I can give you another way to rule and govern these people. I can give you another way to show your power. Just, just bow to me. You don't have to give your life for them. You don't have to go that direction. Here's a shortcut. Use this method. It didn't work. But if Satan would tempt Jesus regarding his identity, Do you think it's possible that he will try to tempt you regarding your identity in Christ? Satan has taken many godly Christians to a mountain and offered them power and prestige in this world if only they follow his plan. He often tempts us with positions, fame, wealth, success. But what does the Bible tell us? Love not the world, neither the things that are what? In the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's not a bad thing to want to be successful. It's not a bad thing to have money. It's not a bad thing to have a good job. Most likely there's people in here this morning that want more in this life. Better job, bigger paycheck, more notoriety, more time for yourself. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and, you know, you could probably be doing better for yourself somewhere else. Sitting here this morning and you're sitting in church, you could be off working, making more money. You could be off enjoying yourself or having time with your family or doing something you love to do. You could give your time to this and to this at the church or do this for God or do this for God or reach that person or or work in this ministry. But that energy could be used somewhere else to accomplish something for you. You know, Satan is a very clever salesman. He shows us all the gains without ever showing us the price tag. You know, what does the Bible say about sin? Is there pleasure in sin? Yeah. There's a good time in sin. But what does it say? For a season. And he's showing Jesus everything he could have at this point. And he, and, he, and he goes to us often at our, at our life and he may tempt us to, to have more in this world. Or if you do this, you could be more successful. You do this, you could probably get a promotion. You do this, there, you might be a little more happier, find more pleasure in that. But what he doesn't do is show you, that what he didn't do is show Jesus, hey, if you bow to me, you are, have to submit to me for all of eternity. If you bow to me, yeah, you'll be ruling this earth at this moment, but you'll no longer be with your father as you desire to be. And Satan will do everything he can to try to show us and blind us to what we can have if we just make this decision for ourselves without showing us the negative effects that come from a, from sin being chosen. From a life that's ruined. And he works that way still. Life is short. Do what you what you want with who you want. But it doesn't show you everything that can come from the bad choices that this world has to offer. He may show you the good feelings of taking drugs, getting drunk, but he doesn't show you the ruined lives of some of those things. Is the devil tempting you to serve the flesh or seek honor today? Try it with Jesus. The last temptation that came was a temptation of sensationalism or pride. If we look there in verse 9, we, we see after Satan failed in two attempts, he came to Jesus one last, with one last try. Most likely, we, we believe Satan took Jesus to the temple, 70 feet high in the valley there at the corner. And he attempted to show him or prompt him to go up to the, the very top of this. And he used scripture to try to get him to do it, convincing him the angels would save him if he asked them to. And I know they, they would have. That would have been an abuse of power. But he says, hey, if you just jump off of this, everybody's going to see you falling, and everybody's going to see the angels rescue you. You want followers. That's the way to do it. You put on a big show right here. You're, trying to, you're about to go one by one and find these disciples and go house to house and city to city trying to reach people. Word will spread pretty fast about who you are, what you're capable of took Jesus to the temple. Did you know that Satan can tempt you where you are right now, in church? Even in a temple. Here's another thing. Look at verse one. Who led Jesus to the wilderness? The Spirit. But what, what else do we see? He wasn't only led of the Spirit. It's, it, he was full of the Holy Ghost. He wasn't just led by him. He was full of him. In the best possible place spiritually, temptation came. You want followers, you got a shortcut. God's way of redemption was not sensationalism, but the cross. Do you think the Jews would have noticed something special about Jesus if he would have jumped off that, that, that point there? Yeah. But God's plan wasn't a big show. It wasn't bringing people to him because of, just because of the great power he had. God's plan for Jesus was the cross. And Jesus didn't just come to stir emotions. He came to speak the truth. As we look at our church this morning, it would be a lot easier for us to do some things here that more like the world does. It would be a lot easier for me, we talked about it last week, the week before. It would be a lot easier for me if I could change a few things in here to not say what they say. So when people come, they won't be offended by what we read in here. We, we, last last Sunday night, we looked at the reliability of the Bible and how God's Word is inspired and preserved for us and what He's given us. We either believe all of it or we believe none of it, right? But we could go in here if we were trying to bring more people in and we could decide at that moment, hey, I'm going to stay out of this chapter. I'm going to skip this verse. I'm going to, you know, God really, He said this, but He doesn't mean it like He used to. And we could try to change some things there to maybe draw in more people, to make more people, people more comfortable when they're here. You know, as, as, as a pastor, it's going to be my, my desire and our purpose to always give God our best. We want to give our best in every single thing we do. We want, as we sing, we want it to be the best we can, we can give. As we, as we have activities or certain ministries, we want to give it our best and do it first class. We want our building to, be, to continue to stay beautiful and everything that God does to be what it needs to be. But it's not those things that change lives. It's Jesus. It's Jesus there's some things that we could do here to quickly draw in a crowd. But in the end, those things won't do anything for the soul. If we were to give in to the temptation of sensationalism, it may bring more people in, but it would lead to a shallow church spiritually. And I want to encourage you, if you believe God, and you believe his word, never sacrifice the truth of the word of God to be more popular. Temptation comes. But God has help in the temptation. See, Jesus tempted three times, over and over again. And he used the word of God in his response to it he quoted the book of deuteronomy three times in his responses there in verse 4 and verse 8 and verse 12 he said and jesus answered him it is written that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word of god verse 8 get thee behind me satan for it is written thou shalt worship the lord thy god and him only shalt, shalt thou serve verse 12 thou shalt not tempt the lord thy god i believe jesus gave us an example that the bible applies to temptation The Bible can be a help. Jesus believed the word of God, the the word of God to be the word of God. I believe he believed in the inspiration and authority of the scriptures. And in this recorded moment of Jesus' life, he doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't shift his opinion or, or, or try to make things work for him. What does he do? He stands on truth. And no matter how good the situation may have sounded, just to turn a stone into bread, he knew that wasn't what God had for him. No matter how great it would have seemed to have followers instantly, that wasn't what God had for them. And the the Word of God already gave him guidance he needed, and he stood on it. He didn't compromise. He didn't give in. He didn't change what it said. He applied it to his life, and God helped him through it. And he overcame those temptations. And as we look to the Word of God, we understand a way of escape is promised. God has promised us with every temptation there's a way of escape. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Then what does it say? I referenced it a few moments ago. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. What, what, is that, what does that mean? As God in His sovereignty allows us to a place of temptation, as God in His sovereignty allows us to, to be in a place where we might be tempted of the devil, when that temptation comes, there is always a way of escape. It's promised. I, I'm just I'm not making things up this morning. The word of God tells us there is a way of escape. And that way is not just promised, that way is provided. Jesus had an answer to each one of those temptations that came and set that example for us. I want to tell you the key to living a spiritual life, the key to spiritual victory is found in the word of God. Jesus knew there's more important things in life than bread. He had a purpose. He wasn't going to live by his words. He wasn't going to live by the devil's words. He was going to live by the word of God. He understood he needed to worship his God above the devil. No matter what the devil could offer him, his God was the sovereign God, the one that needed his worship, and he did not give in to that temptation. God is the only one worthy of your worship this morning. And he said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Not only am I not going to worship you, but I'm going to tell you to cut it out. (laughs) The way is promised, the way is provided. But the way is also possible. Victory is possible for you. You know, Satan, as we mentioned at the very beginning, wants to destroy your life. This morning in Sunday school, we looked at Jesus warning Peter that Satan had desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. He wanted to toss his life around, and he tried, didn't he? And he was successful for that moment. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to stop your children's life before it even gets started. He wants to hurt your spouse. He wants to hurt those people that you care about. You say, I believe it, but I don't want to be defeated. What can we do for victory? Four simple things. First one is stay in the Word. Do you believe in the authority of Scripture? Now, let's try it again. Do you believe in the authority of Scripture? Yeah. Yeah. Do you take advantage of the authority of Scripture? Do we apply it? Do we look to it? Do we live by it? We just we just, we just said that the Word of God provides a way of escape. It's there. And as much as we may know that, as much as we may believe that, victory isn't going to be yours if you're not in the Bible and obey. When we claim the promises of the word of God, we can have victory. Psalm 119, 11 says, Thy word have a hit in mine heart that I might not, what, sin against thee. What's another one? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, we, we've been here full-time. This is our, our fourth Sunday. It's exciting to say that. I haven't had to go, go back and come back, back and forth, back and forth. We've been here. We've been preaching each and every week. I'm so excited to be your pastor, I'm trying to figure out the building. I, I leave stuff in here from time to time, or I come in here to check something, and, you know, I think I don't need the lights. If, you're, if you've ever been here, when the lights are out, it's kind of dark in this room. And so I may try to walk around this corner and feel the wall a little bit, or I got a little cocky this week and I decided to walk down this aisle right here and I, I hit my knee on one of the pews. I came in later this week and I, I came in with my phone and the flashlight on my phone and I noticed a little bit of a difference. Didn't hurt myself. I, I didn't when, when I came off the platform in the dark, I wasn't trying to, to feel my way down the steps like I did uh, several other times before as I had the flashlight. That light prevented me from falling. That light showed me where I needed to step so I could successfully make it back to the office. The Bible tells us the Word of God is a lamp to our feet, a a light to our path. And as we have the Word of God in our possession, as as we have access to it, as we apply it to our life, as we are going around in this dark world, when temptation comes, we'll see it if we're in it. When temptation comes or a trial may come in your life and, and in your flesh you just want to stop, you just want to give in, the word of God can show you how to navigate around whatever distraction, whatever temptation, whatever mountain, whatever hole, whatever it is that may be trying to cause you to fall. But if we're going around without the word of God in our life, we are walking in darkness without the flashlight. Stay in the word if you want victory. Next thing, submit to God. Look at James chapter four. James chapter four. What does it say there? Submit yourselves therefore unto God. James chapter four verse seven. Submit yourselves therefore to God. When we submit to God, we're less likely to give in to temptation. If we're determined to obey what he says, we we can't sin if we're obeying what he says. Think about us fathers and mothers in here. We have rules for our children. As, As they're growing up in this world, we say, hey, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't touch that. It's hot. And if they follow that, they're pretty safe. But how many of your children ever did something you told them not to do and they were hurt because of it? Yeah. But when they submit, there's safety. If you're not living in the submission to to God and his way, why should we expect him to work on our behalf? It says, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, right? But giveth grace to the humble. The verse, not only are to stay in the word, not just submit to God, but secondly, thirdly, what's the rest of that verse say? Resist the devil. I like the way Jesus said it back in our text. What did he say? Get thee behind me, Satan. (laughs) Might need to say that from time to time. The devil's going to do everything he can in your life to cause you to fall. I love the words there. Someone once said, if you don't want a rotten apple, stay out of the devil's orchard. Get away. When that temptation comes, don't just submit to your God, but resist the devil. Get away from him. Shout out at him if you have to. See, that's silly. Jesus did it. And the last thing, have the right walk. Stay in the word, submit to God, resist the devil, walk right. You understand Jesus is God. He wasn't going to give in to temptation. But what was he doing when the temptation came? Walking in the spirit. He was led of the spirit to that place, full of the spirit, and through his power did not give in. And if you want to be successful in your Christian life, you need to walk right. I think every, every service, every, at least once a week, the last three, four weeks, I've, I've referenced Galatians 5, verse 16. What does it say? Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Live by His Spirit. Then what happens? And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit and this doesn't happen. Not just walk in the spirit, walk in Christian fellowship. I want to tell you this morning, you need encouragement from other Christians. You need to be in a position where, where there's other people that are seeking to please God with their life. Your children need to be around other children that are seeking to please, that, that with families that are seeking to please God in their life. We, we want this church to be a, a place where people can come and, and worship God as, as, as he has commanded us to, but also be helped, be encouraged, be exhorted as you come by the preaching of the word of God, by the ministries, by the things that we have. And I want to tell you, there's things that we are, going to, are getting back to doing and things we're going to be starting doing. And every one of those things, we're not doing them to fill time. We're doing them to be a help to you and your family. Yeah, some new things. We had Sunday school classes, ladies, ladies' Bible studies, men's prayer meetings this Saturday morning, 8 o'clock. Conferences, retreats, we have camp for the kids this summer. We're not just doing these things to say we're doing them, or to stay busy or to have things available for people. We're doing these things so we can continue to be encouraged to be the people and the Christians God would have us to be. You need to walk in the Spirit, but you also need to walk in Christian fellowship. Be in church. Have the right kind of influences and friends in your life. Third thing, walk with God. Just walk in the spirit. Don't just walk in Christian fellowship. Walk with God. When temptation comes, focus on Him, not the temptation. We've been, we've been looking at prayer on Wednesday nights. A couple weeks ago, we looked at the Lord's Prayer. What did, what did Jesus pray? Lead us not into temptation. Are you, are you praying every day for God to protect you from that? You can. Since Jesus endured the temptation, we can be assured, first of all, he understands what we face. Jesus has been there. He felt the pain of this world. He faced the temptations that that we face. He faced those, those three different categories of temptation just as we did. Tempted like as we are, yet without sin. But not only does he understand where you are, he can help you when you're tempted. Is He your Savior? Do you have a relationship with God? Has there, been a, has there been a time in your life where you understood that without Him you were dying and going to hell? You know what He did for you and you put your faith and trust in Him for salvation. Are you His child? The Bible says we can be saved, not by works, but by grace. If you haven't done that today, do that. Because he wants to help you. First of all, if you want help, you need to be his child. But that's just the beginning. As his child, you have his spirit dwelling within you to strengthen you each and every day of your life. We're going to do something different as we dismiss today. Look at page 393, song 393 in your hymn book. 392, not 393. 392. The song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. If you look there on the top left of that page, there's a name there, Joseph Scriven. He was a missionary from Ireland, went to Canada. Those Canadians need some help. and He's working among the Indians. And as he went there on this ministry, he had gotten support. He went there to Canada, and he was waiting for his fiancée to come and be with them. They'd soon be married, and they'd spend their lives there in Canada working together. She arrived, they were serving, and just before the wedding, she was killed in an accident on the ice and drowned to death. This young man that just wanted to serve God had this fiance that that wanted to serve with him that he loved very much and he buried her with his own hands with his heart broken. But he kept serving. Through all that pain, through that trial, through the temptations that no doubt came to quit, he continued on and a year later, in a letter to his mother, he sent her a poem called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Look at that first verse. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Sing that second verse with me. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? Look at these next words. We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows. Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. He's all you need. All you need don't go without him. And when temptations come, take advantage of what you have through him. Look to his word. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And walk right. And victory is possible. Every head bowed. Every eye closed.